New York Artist Collective. Hi and welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast this next one's about. If you're new to the podcast, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. So the New York Artist Collective podcast is a Nashville-style songwriter circle and we produce shows in and around New York City with three songwriters on stage and in the round. Um, and this podcast takes one of our artists and has a closer look at one of their songs, just how they might introduce it on stage, and we get to find out a bit more about their creative process and what it's like to be an artist in this great city. My name is Stephanie Manns, I myself am a singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artist Collective producers, and today's guest is Meg. Megan Farrell, formerly of New York and now Nashville based, but here to tell us about her new song, Longshot. Megan Farrell, welcome to the podcast. This next one's about. It's such a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I don't think we've seen each other since you played in New York when, I'm trying to think, when was that? Was that July? Oh my gosh, I know it would be, I would be the wrong person to ask. That. When it was warm, I was wearing a t-shirt and I am so excited to be here. Yay. Well, thank you for joining us. And so uh, this is, I, I love this, this podcast and where we get to ch chat to artists about their songs um, and how, how they wrote them. And I remember listening to this song um, when you played it at Rockwood and it just, it really struck me as it's a very powerful song. So, and uh, it, it's called Long Shot. Why don't you tell me a bit about it and how you wrote it? Well, I can't take full credit for this song. It was a beautiful co-write with uh, one of my very close friends and also an incredible singer-songwriter. Her name is Arielle Lask and also a fellow New Yorker. That's where mm -hmm. we first met and became friends. And um, what's fun about writing with Arielle is it is just so natural uh, when we get together in a room and talk about the crap of our day or what's going on in our life that's sort of getting under our skin. And it's just a chit chat between two friends that turns into a song that gets written so, most times very quickly. And then we just go out for tacos. Like <laughs> that is how yeah. we work. <laughs> Some of the best songs just kind of flow out of you very quickly. Oh, it, it, we, that's probably one of the faster songs I've ever written. I would say we were fully finished with that song in 45 minutes. Hmm. Then the rest of the time we spent picking tacos and having fun. Yeah. Which taco place we want to go to. That's the most important. I love New York tacos. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that's the one thing that Nashville does pretty good here is tacos as well. Um, I mean, New York has all kinds. Of, I miss the Chinese food. I will say that Nashville does not have good Chinese food, but they can represent on the taco front. But that's what's so fun about writing with a friend that you've known for a long time because you already have built that rapport and you're just super comfortable. Yeah. Do you do a lot of co-writes, Megan? I try to, um, you know, I'm such a classic independent artist right now where I am fully working two jobs to be able to live in an expensive city. Um, and so I, I probably do about maybe a co-write a month, but I also like to wait until I know that I, I, I really connect with somebody. Like when I meet them at a show or something and, and we're instantly like BFFs, uh, I, I tend to hold out for that. That was going to be my next question, actually, was was how you how you pick people to write with. Um, I definitely try and find them based off of meeting them, a, a feeling I get. Um, and also if I like their style of music as well, if I'm if I'm moved and inspired by what I see them do and then I go up to them afterward and they're not. A, a jerk or anything like that and they're a kind person and if we have a conversation that flows naturally then um uh i would tend to be like hey you want to write some write some time and that's actually on a t-shirt here in nashville it says you want to write sometime it's sort of the the thing to do um and also based off of 
friend recommendations. Oh, I think your guys, both your styles would fit. So you should get in a room together. And a lot of the times, the first time you get together to write with somebody, you don't write at all. You just have coffee and you chat, you chat and you talk and you hang out. And then, and then you go from there. It's like, it's literally like a first date. (laughs) Uh, Yep. (laughs) Uh, Except hopefully with, with less awkwardness. Yeah. And less awkwardness and more, you know, hit songwriting. So it's, yeah, it, it, I really like to go off of whether or not um, I feel some kind of natural uh, friendship chemistry with the person. Mm-hmm. So a bit more about Longshot. So what's it about? Because it seems like, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're, you've had a really kind of shit couple of days. You're, this is, this is your last chance. You're, you're, you're going for it. You're giving it all you got. Like yeah. where, where, where did that come from? It definitely is uh, exactly that. It it came from, um, you know, when I left New York City to move to Nashville, it I had was wasn't going to be an artist anymore. I uh, just wanted to get better at songwriting, and I was definitely disheartened by having you know three records and none of them really going anywhere. Well, not going anywhere to other people's standards of success. You know, um, you just I I just sort of lost sight a little bit and was a little beat up. And when I moved here, um, you know, Ariel was literally the only person that I knew here outside of, I have some family, but as far as in the music industry world, that was it. And so, you know, when I told her I wasn't going to be an artist anymore, she was a good friend and, you know, kept quiet and just wanted to be supportive. And then I played a show. I Someone offered me a slot where I could get up and sing my songs. And so I took it just because I had kind of missed the stage. And I got up on stage and sang my songs. And it, it felt absolutely incredible. And Ariel was actually with me. She was being a good friend and selling my CDs for me. And she came running up to me afterward and was like, you can't stop being an artist. You can't stop singing. It's what you're meant to do. And, um, then the next time we got together to write, it was, it was an overwhelming vibe of, you know, even listening to the demons in yourself and everyone else saying that you can't do this. Why, why do it's the hardest thing ever. And it just, it felt like a last resort. It felt like this is, this is shit or get off the pot really. Um, uh, it was now or never, and I know it's a long shot, but it, this is this is what I'm meant to do. It's what I I think I was put on this planet to do, so I'm just going to give it all I've got. Mm-hmm. I think you know, as artists, we have a lot of those really dark moments. Oh yeah, it's not going quite the way you want it to at all. Somebody posted something around Thanksgiving, um, an artist I follow, and it was you know mm-hmm. questions that artists get at Thanksgiving dinner, and it's you know like. So are you still doing the music thing? I think, you know, people don't really respect it as a career. Yeah. And when we are, you know, give it, literally putting our heart and souls into things and people aren't really getting it. Oh, yeah. And, and really, you know, we're trying to land a song or an album or something that resonates with people. And some, you know, yeah. some people are looking for, the, for their first hit. Some people are looking for something that's, that's really genuine, really authentic and really is, you know, is really about them. But yeah, and if you if you're if you're making something that is authentic to you and it's not landing with anyone, it must it's it's crushing. Well, I think that's what was so. You just said a great word, authentic. Um, the last record I did, it was a record called East Coast Girl, and I was definitely in a in a transitional period in my life, 
um, where I was transforming into what I would say now what I'm doing here in Nashville. But it was so jarring to me that I put out a record that I thought was the most inauthentic record I've done. And I was just, it. I was so not proud of it at all. And um, I didn't even feel like I knew who I was at all. So that tail between my legs defeatist feeling came from that record. And that's soon after I left New York. Let's take a listen to Longshot and then we can chat a bit more about it. My name is Megan Farrell and this is my song Longshot. I've had my fair share of things that don't go my way. I could be the kind who gives into the bad days. There's no point looking down. Cause I'm not meant for the Just for fools Well, I'll take my chances I'm breaking all your rules There's no point in looking down Cause I'm not meant for the Megan, that was long shot. Um, 
little confession. That is that is uh, on one of my playlists. It's actually on my gym playlist, would you believe? And it's not the most sort of gym kind of song, but it's like, you know, when I really can't be asked, I'm like, you know, I, I put that on. <laughs> I start and I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. That is awesome to hear. <laughs> See, it landed. It landed here. It did. I played uh, last year. I went home, played a hometown show, and this woman I'd never met before, uh, she introduced herself and she was like, are you going to play Longshot? And I had just learned how to play it on the guitar. And because um, I, the guitar is not my first in- instrument. <laughs> and uh, she said that that song um, helped her deal with some bad news uh, about how she, she had some uh, medical ailments that came up and, and that song saw her through some treatments and, and uh, that's, that's what it's all about. And uh, I tell you, it's, I have four records of music plus you know, however many more files of, of songs and maybe one of them really reaches somebody. And that's why I think Longshot is so special. I agree. I think it's a wonderful song. For me, it's definitely a song that I can, I, I was, I love your voice on it. I really do. But I definitely can hear that being sung by somebody else. Um, I remember I said to you, I thought it, I thought your voice sounded very much like Jennifer Nettles. Yes. Yes, I have been uh, compared to her several times. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I could hear that being a hit for Jennifer Nettles anyway. But so let's talk about your move from New York to Nashville. Tell me about that. What prompted that move? It was such literally a culmination of so many things happening at the same time. A little bit of sort of like a a cosmic boom or whenever a, a planet is created or a star is created, that's kind of what it felt like. So, I, I mean, I've lived in New York. I had lived in New York for 16 years. So I wasn't even a month out of high school when I moved to New York City to study theater. And uh, I mean, literally in a blink of an eye, I felt like it went so fast. My last couple of years in New York were very tumultuous uh, as far as uh, panic attacks and anxiety Um sort of came into my life and really took over my, my existence. And, um, I just knew something was wrong and I, and that I had to figure out what that was. And so, um, you know, I, I sought out some therapy and, you know, got myself on some anxiety meds to sort of just, you know, uh, make my days a little easier to get on the subway. Uh, that seemed to be a problem for me was riding the MTA. <laughs> I love reading my posts on Facebook of my New Yorker friends who were like, damn it to MTA. Why? Why must you be? So I have family here in Nashville. And so I went, I came here for two weeks to check it out just to see. And I took one step into a, um, it's called Radnor Lake. It's a uh, nature preserve here. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks that this was the energy that I needed in my life, the the noise and the and the crowds and everything, it was uh, it was too much for me. I was also ending a three year relationship that was pretty. Uh, it actually was pretty easy because it was just meant to end, um, but it was just an end of an era for me. It was actually harder to break up in New York City than it was with the boyfriend. So, but I just, I mean, I completely upended my life. I, I quit my job in in New York for those last uh, few years and went to therapy and, and started really doing some deep soul searching. And it, and it led me to, uh, to making the decision to, to leave. And let me tell you, I have, I feel like I have a better relationship with New York now because I was really starting to, um, hate it. And I didn't want to do that. Um, well, thank you, first of all, for sharing that, you know, that's, that's some deep stuff and, um, it's not easy to talk about. So thank you very much for, for being so honest about that. 
Oh, it's important to be open and honest, I think, about, you know, mental mental health and anxiety in this uh, country. I agree. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of stigma attached to it. And, uh, you know, having, yeah. having those conversations, it, it normalizes it. And that's, I think that's, that's it. And it's so prevalent, I think, within, within you know, creative people, within the music industry, within that, within that sphere. Oh, know, yeah. And it's important that we acknowledge it. Absolutely. So you are in Nashville, home of country music, music city. Many, many genres of music are, are made within Nashville. And a lot of people just think that um, it, it, it is the home of country music and that is all. But that is not entirely true. However, focusing on country music for a moment, CMAs, when we were prepping for this call, we, we briefly touched on um, the CMAs and, and the, the representation of, of women in country music. And I was saying to you that I had um, recently listened to a podcast. I think it was one of the New York Times um, podcasts. And they, <laughs> I think they had called the CMAs the Chris Stapleton Awards, <laughs> which I thought was rather amusing. Um, and we you know, love Chris Stapleton, really do. But I think there, the point was representation for women in the CMAs this year. There was not a lot. You know, I think there was Casey Musgraves, who I think won, was it Best Album? Let me tell you, I'm, I am late to the, she won Album of the Year. I am late to the game on golden hour i've just recently uh downloaded it and listened to it and it is front to back beginning to end one of the most brilliant records out there um just wanted to say that but yes she's sort of the main event there's a handful of of the country music female stars that are repeat it's very hard to be uh, a new one you sort of see this you see miranda you see um, Casey Musgraves and uh, Carrie Underwood, and they're all wonderful. And it's good to see them. Uh, and then you have the respect of the classics like Reba McIntyre and Trisha Yearwood and all of them. Uh, on the songwriter side of it, uh, it's definitely um, a different different ball game for for us girls. In terms of the the money makers in this town that continue to get the cuts, they, there's a sort of an error that if you that guys are the ones who write the number one songs and also they get the headlines they get the the praise literally the other night I was on stage just so happened to be an all-female round and I stood up and after one of the girls had played uh her name was Michelle Pereira a phenomenal writer and she played a song and I just stood up and I was like oh my gosh I'm just blown away at how many amazing women are writing such great songs and this man from the audience yelled out and men too and I just Sort of sitting in the microphone. Yeah, we know. <laughs> so hard being a straight white male right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's wow, wow, cry me <laughs> a bloody river. They do feel very marginalized, you know, and I, I feel like it's it, it's their turn to feel a little bit marginalized, and I don't feel sorry for them. I, I don't. It's it's sort of um, to to get out there the understanding. Um, it's hard for them to understand what it's like to be a female in a room. Um, full of men. Uh, definitely. I remember when I was producing long shot, uh, or when I was in the room with my, my produced great team of musicians, uh, all, all gentlemen. Um, I was, you know, the only girl in the room and it, it, you, you do have to sort of be scrappy and get in there in order to get my opinion heard, even though it was my record. Um, you know, I remember them all having a conversation about how this one song should go without uh, any one of them turning around to ask me how they thought I should go, even though it was my song um, or how they thought I should think it, it should go. <laughs> and that is sort of the, the the respect difference that I think us women right now are fighting for in these writing rooms, on the stage, at the award shows and across the board. 
And it's uh, unfortunate that it's still going on. There are many double standards, I think, when it comes to male, male and female artists within the music industry. But I think I think it's more uh, prevalent and it's more noticeable, I think, certainly within country music. It wasn't this year, but I remember looking at the nominees, I think, for male artists and then I the nominees for female artists. And, the, you know, the way that women need to present in order to be successful is very different than how men have to present. You know, men, men can wear a plaid shirt and a big cap, and that's pretty much all they have to do. Yes. But women have to look like they're in Hollywood to even get a shot on stage. One of my favorite female country artists right now, her name is Ashley McBride. Love her. She's brilliant. She absolutely is one of the most, uh, one of the biggest, brightest stars, I think, out there right now. And I, I mean... I don't didn't even see her at this year's CMAs or you don't hear her as much on the radio and and she doesn't look like your typical country star. I hope that that's not the reason for why she's not up there but she should be with everybody else. Yeah. She is writing real stuff right now. Her album I, I recommend anyone to go and listen to it. And I actually met one of the and she's she writes with co-writers and I met one of uh, her co-writers the other night at an event and he was unbelievably humble and kind and totally supportive of Ashley. And he was like, you know, she should be getting so much more than what she is. And uh, I said, uh, cheers to that, man. Let's let's hope hope that um, that change is happening because she's the real deal. But you're not going to see her on the magazine covers. And uh, that's unfortunate. It's all down to the executives. It's all down to what they think people are buying. Yes. They think that, you know, bro country is selling and it is selling more than anything else. Then they will continue to produce that. And it just what? becomes, you know, it's, it's this little sort of hamster wheel and it just keeps spinning and we, we keep getting more of the Jason Aldean's credit to him, but it, it, it's not, it's not groundbreaking. Well, it's also, you know, when you, when you look at uh, women supporting women in music, you know, this great organization called Women Crush Music and other things like Song Suffragettes here in town. And these are all um, showcase, music showcases that are, uh, led by women, uh, run by women. It is just a supportive environment where women can come together and support each other instead of competing against each other. That's also, uh, that's also a, a big part of the change that needs to happen. You know, I think, I think they separated women from men a long time ago because they realized once they get us all together, well, just watch out. We can rule the world. We really, really can. And, you know, there are great male artists and they are there are wonderful male artist friends of mine that support women as well. And I, you know, some people may say enough talk about it and, you know, we've heard enough. I don't, I don't agree. Um, I think that women's voices still need to be uh, more toward the forefront. I remember having, you know, obviously Thanksgiving brings up a lot of conversations yes. and you know, one of my male friends was like, you know, so, so, so what should we be doing? And I said, well, the conversation, it's not just that it needs to change in public. It needs to change in private. Yes. When you're having conversations with your buddies, and your buddy makes a comment, that's when you need to stand up. That's when that's when change happens. Yeah, it's it's just a mutual respect that we should all pass on to one another as humans, <laughs> regardless of any kind of gender. We can, we can change the world, Megan, but not tonight. The future is female. I agree. <laughs> so what do you have coming up? What, what is next for Megan Farrell? Well, I have been doing uh, and just started embarking on uh, writing. So... Um, I have sort of a lofty goal here. So coming up in 2020, oh my goodness, 
it will be the 10 year anniversary of my first record ever, which is called Waitress. That's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm sort of like, when did that happen? Um, well, apparently 10 years ago, but um, <laughs> so I will be doing a, a really cool re-release of Waitress um, as long as releasing my first full length record in 10 years. Um, Waitress was my first full length. I haven't done one since. Uh, so we're looking at a dual release in 2020. So um, I'm right now, I'm just pen to paper, uh, getting getting my dream list of people that I'd like to get in a room with. Um, you and you and Angela, our good friend, are, are on that list. <laughs> Thank you. I'd love to. And um, so also mostly just playing shows next year. So I'm going to be um, tightening up my website. I know um, there's a really great um, music conference in my hometown of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, that uh, happens every year at the end of February. It's called the Millennium Music Conference, and I will be there this year. And you will probably be back in New York at some point uh, with your new releases. Yes, thank you. Definitely in and around that time. So look for probably a Rockwood show uh, in and around that time. So um, end of February, maybe even spill over into early March. And then, of course, um, in, in April, I know that's going a little forward, but tickets are still available for the amazing Off the Record Music Festival, which is going to be in the Poconos this year. Megan Farrell, it has been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, I will have put all of the your website details and everything in uh, the details for our podcast so people can go and check you out. Um, you are at M-E-A-G-H-A-N Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L Music uh, on the Instagram and the same goes for meganfarrell.com. Um, Megan, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Let's write something next year. Let's do it. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get you we'll get you in New York and we'll get you to do a New York Artist Collective show. Uh, hopefully, when you're when you're here next. Absolutely. This has this has been this made me feel really cool, Stephanie. Thank you for what you do. Megan Farrell and her wonderful song Long Shot, co-written with Ariel Lask. You can find Megan at Megan Farrell Music on Instagram, and the link to her website is in the episode details. Next week, I'll be having a chat with Rachel Bayman, uh, one of Rolling Stone magazine's 10 hot new picks in country music, and that will be our last episode for the holidays, so make sure that you have a listen and get your stocking fill. I know, it's a terrible joke. Of um, <laughs> Make sure you get your fill of our last show. This has been fun. I'm Stephanie Manns. We'll see you next time. New York Artist Collective.